Happy Fourth of July, everyone. Happy Independence Day. Psalm 33, 12 says, Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord and the people whom he hath chosen for his own inheritance. Blessed. Now, flipping to Philippians, no pun intended. Flipping to Philippians 3.20. This is something I'd like for us to read together because this is a corporate phraseology. Watch this. Let's read together. For our citizenship is in Washington, D.C. God bless America. Right? No, no, no. Come on. Let's read it right. For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait. Where is the Savior coming from? Heaven. Praise God. And that's where my citizenship is. And watch what it says if we keep going. He will transform our lowly body that it may be conformed to his glorious body according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. God is able to make your body instantaneous, disappear, and change into a body like his. I don't know how to explain it. Good luck finding anybody who can. Now, one more verse before you're seated. Hebrews eleven fourteen. Hebrews eleven fourteen. For those who say such things declare plainly that they seek a homeland. That's the New King James Version. They declare a homeland. They seek a homeland. Everybody's seeking a homeland? Now, here's, here's, our, here's our goal today. Let's all link arms and be ready to get into this together. Y'all ready? This is not just Pastor Heyman up here talking. Okay, this is us. This is us together. Here's what I want to happen. I would like to elevate your vision from the horizontal Independence Day, 4th of July celebration. And together, let's take it vertical. Because there's something a whole lot better than these precious United States of America. It is a homeland that we are seeking for. I want to help you learn. I want to help myself learn to declare plainly that I seek a homeland. My world, this world is not my home. Amen? God bless you as you're seated. Pledge of allegiance to the flag of the United States of America, to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible with liberty and justice for all. Happy Independence Day. It is great to be an American on 2021, 4th of July. It is so wonderful. Now, let me just, let me just get your juices flowing a little bit. Prime the pump of our thinking a little. I did a little research into the Declaration of Independence Washington Irving, one of those yesteryear writers of such grandeur, he wrote these few words about the Declaration of Independence. While danger was gathering around New York and its inhabitants were in mute suspense and fearful anticipations, the General Congress at Philadelphia was discussing with closed doors what John Adams pronounced to be, quote, the greatest question ever debated in America and as great as ever was or will be debated among men. 
The result was a resolution passed unanimously on the 2nd of July, 1776, that these united colonies are, and of right ought to be, free and independent states. The 2nd of July, says John Adams, listen to this, this was before 4th of July came on the horizon. He's thinking about the same thing we think of as 4th of July. But listen to what John Adams says about the 2nd of July. How many of you believe John Adams existed? Sometimes I wonder, you know, it's like, wow, it's fantasy. No, no, he's not like Superman, Incredible Hulk. He's a real person. Same with George Washington. Most importantly, same with Jesus Christ. All right? <laughs> I mean, let's just kind of keep this all straight. But this, this, is what, this is what he said. The 2nd of July will be the most memorable epic in the history of America. He said, I am apt to believe that it will be celebrated by succeeding generations as the great anniversary festival. He's talking about today. Okay? Think about it. It ought to be commemorated, John Adams says, as the day of deliverance. And it ought to be commemorated by solemn acts of devotion to Almighty God. It ought to be solemnized with pomp and parade, with shows, games, sports, guns, bells, bonfires, and illuminations from one end of the continent to the other, from this time forth forevermore. I just think that's so amazing. What a vision. He didn't see fireworks like we see. He didn't get to see the, the flag that we see waving. He didn't get to know about all the things about the, the power, the, the might, and the love, and the, and the compassion of these United States of America. All he knew was a fledgling nation with a vision for what was to come if they could stay on course. <laughs> It had, and it hadn't happened yet. I, I, that's just what blows me away. 2nd of July, John Adams, 1776. There are going to be pomp and parade, shows and games, sports, guns, bonfires, and illuminations from one end of the continent to the other. Well, that's literally what's happening today. How many years ago? 200? 200, 200, I, I forgot to add it up. 200 and something years? A long time ago. 1776? 1876, 1976, 77, 78, 79. <laughs> Y'all know it's a long time ago. And you know John Adams is dead. But the bottom line is John Adams had a vision that is alive today. I, that is just remarkable to me. The glorious event, Irving, Washington Irving uh, goes on to say, the glorious event has indeed given rise to an annual jubilee but not on the day designated by Adams. The 4th of July is the day of national rejoicing. For on that day, the Declaration of Independence, that solemn and sublime document was adopted. Tradition gives a dramatic effect to the announcement. When it was officially signed, when it was officially settled and ratified, and it was a done deal, the document was finished, that declaration, which had been known to be under discussion, but it was behind the closed doors of Congress, the general population couldn't peek their head in. They didn't have cameras rolling in in there. It was a private affair. 
The people outside awaited in throngs. An appointed signal was going to happen. In the steeple of the state house was a bell imported 23 years previously from London by the Provincial Assembly of Pennsylvania. That bell bore the portentous text from Scripture that says, can anybody quote what it says on the Liberty Bell? Proclaim liberty throughout all the land unto all the inhabitants thereof. Then it happened. The joyous peal from that bell gave notice that the bill had passed, and that was the death knell of British domination. Goodbye, King George, and goodbye, motherland. We have a new land, and we have a new country. We have a new declaration. We are declaring our independence, and the Declaration of Independence of the 13 United States of America says, we hold these truths to be self-evident. That all men are created equal. That they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. That among them are life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness. That to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men. Deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. That whenever any form of government becomes destructive of these ends, it is the right of the people to alter or to abolish it. And to institute a new government. Laying its foundation on such principles, organizing its powers in such form as them seem most likely to affect their safety and happiness. As much as I love our land of the free, oh hallelujah, as much as I love our home of the as much as I am thanking God right now for these United States of America, may I never forget a place far better. It's a coming city, folks. It's a better homeland. God, help us today to lift our gaze above and let's see there is a life that has not yet been seen by God's people. May we never forget right now there is a homeland being built and its builder and its maker is God. Let's never forget that somewhere near and far a citizenry is being built. One we cannot see with the natural eyes, but we can see with spiritual eyes, the eyes of faith. John Adams, just so amazing, he saw Fourth of July. He saw all of the celebration in 1776. He didn't even have one to reference, but he still saw it. Pomp and parade. Guns and munitions and bombs and sports and stuff, whatever, illuminations. But listen to this. That's not nearly as absolutely incredible as Abraham in your Bible who in Hebrews 11, verse 8, the Bible tells us about him, folks. Now catch this. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he dwelt in the land of promise as in a foreign country 
dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. Verse number 10, read it together. For he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. If you will join me and lift your vision above the United States of America and you'll start looking into the heavenlies with me today, you're going to leave here a whole lot lighter, a whole lot happier, a whole lot more filled with faith, and I believe closer to heaven and ready for the rapture. Folks, we are not living for this lit life down here below, but we're living for the life not yet and beyond. In Jesus' name. Everybody say a better homeland. The scientists in the crowd, you want to sit up a little bit and pay attention because this is kind of interesting to me. I got a little scratchy voice because I was trying to blow mosquitoes off the car last night in Mississippi. And they were blowing off just fine. But when I moved the light and I was still trying to blow them off, I forgot the harder you blow, the harder you have to suck. Seriously. And I think I sucked four mosquitoes down in one breath last night. And I coughed until I was just red in the face and messed my... I got some good protein. They said it takes about, about 7,000 of them to make one ounce of protein. But Woo! So that's why I have a little, little scratchy throat. Just a little point of clarification, all right? Now, some of us tend... We rein it in when it comes to things that we can't see because we want to see it to believe it. And that's kind of natural. But let me challenge you with some few words today. Light, not space and time. Light is the universal constant. Within that simple sentence, the universal constant is light. Within that sentence is born the science of quantum physics. Back in the 1900s, Niels Bohr pulled back the curtain into a strange new world when he tried to explain how light radiated from hot objects. And at that time, there, was, there were two conflicting laws involving infrared waves and ultraviolet waves. What Bohr, Niels Bohr, Niels Bohr discovered was that light possessed a dual nature, both wave and particle. And from that beginning, other theoretical scientists added layer after layer to that simple understanding. Well, I call it simple. It's not really that simple. Einstein came along. Max Born came along. Werner Heisenberg and so on. And from that understanding has come such things as the Internet, your cell phone, GPS, email, high-def video, so on and so forth. Each technological advance seems to be based on an understanding that is at the root of everything. That light is particle and wave. That light is energy. Some of what quantum theory predicts is straight out of science fiction. 
Here's what quantum theory predicts. That matter can be in an infinite number of places at any given time. That we live in a four-dimensional world, but there might be as many as 11 dimensions all around us. Now, you add to this the possibility of many worlds within our world, or not a universe, but a multiverse. And on occasion, folks, these worlds, bam, collide with one another. These thoughts, so high and lofty, above Einstein's own ability to understand. You know what he said about these things? Albert Einstein, he, he said, I wish I was a cobbler mending shoes rather than a scientist because there's so many things that are beyond my ability to know. He said, I'd rather be somebody that is just focused on the lower elements because we live in a world we really don't know. Albert Einstein. Science quickly grabs up and accepts these theories and builds on them. And today you can look around and you see technology is the evidence. Now, let's get, get out for that for a second, okay? In a similar sense, you and I accept that simple premise that God is light. How many of you believe God is light? Woo! God is light. And from that foundational premise, all matter of things unfold. Oh, and it's a whole lot better than technology, folks. Time means nothing to God. A day is with the Lord as a thousand years and a thousand years as a day. Folks, we, we, we find out that by understanding God is light, that he can turn the hand of time backwards. He can turn it forward. He can stop time in its tracks. It's no problem to our God who is light. We, we don't have a problem understanding or believing at least that all power is within his possession and he's capable of managing time and space to accomplish whatever his will may be. And I, I don't think many of us really struggle with the whole idea that his kingdom is secret now in the hearts of men and women. But one day his kingdom will be revealed for all to see. I believe today because God is light that man's faith is what calls God alive into any situation. Praise God. God is light. God is light. It's not just the light of the visible, but it's the light of particles and waves and the light of the spirit, light of spiritual things. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God. But in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth and he created the bodies of light in the skies that we see at night. But he created those after he created light. Let there be light. And if I can believe that God who said let there be light is in this room today, then I believe he can call faith alive into your situation right now. If you will listen to his word and you will hear what he has to say today. So, so that, that brings us to Abraham. We were reading about him a second ago, remember? The father of faith. I'm intrigued by his story way more than I'm intrigued by John Adams. Somehow, woo, somehow, <laughs> God put it in me today. Abraham saw a coming city whose builder and maker was God. It didn't even exist. It was nowhere he could see with his 
physical sight, but it was there. And through faith, he was permitted to see what was not, but one day would be. And he, through his vision, saw that his earthly existence was based on looking for what would and never could be found in this world. Woo! I wish somebody would listen to what the preacher's saying today. You can't find it in this world, but it's coming in the world to come under a new heaven and upon a new earth. Uh, and I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, I think this whole background is needful because uh, there is a city that is coming that is beyond description. There is much about the city that we do not know. But what we do know leaves us wondering more and longing for more. And so let me do this today, brothers and sisters. I'm launching into an effort as bizarre as quantum physics, if you want to think of it th that way. But by faith, let's try to describe what begs the imagination in our future citizenship. Y'all ready? Let's try to describe the indescribable. Many names are used for this coming city, this better homeland. Hebrews 13, excuse me, 11.13. Hebrews 11.13, continuing in that wonderful chapter, what does it say? In 11.13, I'm actually going to start at verse number 11. Amen. Actually, 13 is right. That's right. Very good. Each one of these people of faith died not yet having in hand what was promised, but still believing. How did they do it? Just keep that up there. And let me, let me read it to you in a more familiar wording. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, were assured of them, embraced them, <laughs> and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For those who say such things declare plainly that they seek a homeland. It's not all about the 4th of July 2021 sitting in a beautiful sanctuary on 5900 East Jail with our friends and family gathered around or whatever we may be doing right here, right now. But brothers and sisters, let's lift our voices, let's lift our hands, and let's lift our vision to a higher place, to a higher calling today. I'm wanting somebody here today to say, God, I don't want to be mindful of this country. God, put my mind on that homeland that's to come. Those who say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. We're going to come back to that, what things they're talking about. Truly, if they had called to mind that country from which they had come out, they would have had opportunity to return. But now they desire a better. And that's what I want to be said today when we wrap this service up. God, I desire a better. Anybody want to join me and say, God, I desire a far better country. I desire a far better heavenly, heavenly, heaven country. I look forward to a heaven country. Here's, here's the problem with where we are right now in America. We live in a place where it's a space age. I mean, it's the information age, and we have everything we need. Nobody's got any problems. If you want French fries, there's French fries to be found on every corner. Right? Just about. 
There's nothing that we as a people are hungering and lacking for. Folks, we're so blessed in America, it's way easier to preach a message like this in Burma. Because those people were looking for heaven. I'm telling you, our little pastor Samuel just had his motorcycle stolen by the military last week. He's like, I don't know how to get around now. I don't know where to, and I'm like, I don't know how to help you find a motorcycle. Because, I mean, I don't know how to get one in, in Burma. He said they take them away from all the people who are still protesting the military. Because they know that they'll just go out on their motorcycles and keep protesting. If they can stop people from riding around in motorcycles, they can shut them up. I mean, he calls it his motorbike. It's not really a motorcycle. It's just a little moped. Folks, and here we are sitting in an air-conditioned sanctuary this morning, looking forward to the pastor quitting the yapping, and you can go, go eat your barbecue or whatever you're going to do today, and just like, wow, let's get out. Folks, listen, why don't we just stop right now? Why don't you just push pause? Anybody got that little park you can just put it in right now? Let's put it in park, and let's say, okay, God, I'm going to take my foot off the pedal for a minute. I'm going to say, God, I have been blessed beyond measure, but I do not want to let it get my eyes off of heaven. I don't want to let it get my eyes off of that heavenly country. God, I desire a better. I desire a heavenly. I desire that city that's prepared for me. I'm so blessed, but God, please don't let my blessing be my cursing. Why don't we just pray right now for Pastor Samuel and all of the brothers and sisters in Burma still running in the jungle. Lord God, I pray that you'd be with our dear friends, our brothers and sisters, baptized in Jesus' name. God, I pray that you'd help us, Lord, to be the example the strength that they need, Lord. Lord God, I pray in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Lord, in your name, let there be miraculous turnarounds this very week. You're able. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I'm homesick. I would like to make somebody homesick today for that land that's better. Not homesick for the old country, but homesick for heaven country. In Jesus' name, it's called the Father's house in another place in the, in the Bible. It's called the Father's house. We could go on and on and on with Bible passages that explain this beautiful new country, this city coming homeland. Now, could you just just, just flip with me all the way to the back of the Bible. Revelation 21, verse 1. John, in his revelation, he's now written 20 chapters. And now he's on 21. And this is what happened. Now I saw a new heaven. Woo! Did it happen? Not yet. He saw it. And a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. There was also no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them. They shall be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. 
What is it called? What's that better homeland called in this passage? A holy city. A new Jerusalem. Tabernacle of God. Yes, I think the discussion of quantum physics is right on track. We have fading away of one world to reveal another world. A floating down from the heavens is a city. John had seen so much in those previous 20 chapters of Revelation, but folks, all of a sudden, boom, that's not important anymore. This now is the eternal realm he is able to be looking into. God is opening the curtains of the future and showing him this is what is yet to happen. One of those seven angels that poured out the bowl of judgments took John by the hand and said, come, John, let me show you the bride, the lamb's wife. He took John to an exceeding high mountain, and from from there he saw what we're preaching about today, the great city, holy Jerusalem. And the first thing John saw was that it was brilliant light that shone from the city. Everybody say light. Get used to light, folks. If you're going to make it to heaven, there's going to be light in heaven. John saw that city. It had the glory of God. Her light was like the most precious stone, like jasper stone. And, and, and other translations use the word diamond instead of jasper to, to show how clear as crystal that, that that city is, the light of that city is. The city is pure gold, like clear, gla- clear glass. And the God who is light, literally himself who is light, he created a city of light. The glory of God radiated through that city, reflecting and dazzling in its beauty. Y'all see it with me? I want you to close your eyes and think about that glorious heaven, that glorious better country, that glorious new Jerusalem. Woo! The gates of that city, there's three to the north, south, east, and west, each made of solid pearl. Each bears the names of the 12 tribes of Israel. The walls of the city, 144 cubits. That means 216 feet thick. You take this sanctuary, the length of it from the back here to the back there, and you go another 200 and another uh, double it again out past the street, and you're getting something close to about what we're talking about. That's how thick the walls are. The walls rest on 12 foundations of precious stones. One biblical professor said that in order that to look at the order of the precious stones and the arrangement that the, the Bible gives us, they're like the colors of a rainbow, except way more complex and brilliant. And upon these foundations is descri- inscribed the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. Now, how high is this city? I told you how thick the walls are. And let's look up. How, how tall is this city? How high is the wall? How high is it? The Bible says it's 215, 216 feet thick walls, but the city itself is way taller. It's built like the Holy of Holies, friends. How many of you studied the Holy of Holies recently? Y'all remember studying the Holy of Holies in our prayer? Absolutely. The city that you and I are dreaming about. Pastor Haman's trying to keep your attention focused and get our focus up on heaven right now. You know what? That city is built just like the Holy of Holies because it's got the same length in terms of width and height and, and, and length. And in, and in Moses' tabernacle, that Holy of Holies was 10 cubits by 10 cubits by 10 cubits. So Solomon's temple, 20 by 20 by 20. Can I tell you that coming city is also built just like a cube? Revelation 21, 16, the city is laid out as a square. Its length is as great as its breadth. He measured the city with the reed, 12,000 furlongs. Length, breadth, and height are equal. All right, 12,000 furlongs, about 1,500 miles. 
That's a pretty big city. Now, I want you all to sit on the edge of your seats here because I, I know you love sound bites. Logan and Elena, you guys are here. I'm so glad to see you guys. Praise the Lord. And, our, of course, our, our brand new friends at Wesley Bramler's bringing to church, the whole family. So glad you all are here. <sighs> Got to change gears for a second here. Folks, I am so excited about heaven. I, I want to start living my life with a much more heavenly mindset. Could I get you to join me? Let's, let's be of more, more heavenly mind than we are of earthly good. Ain't going to happen. Trust me. Don't worry. Oh, you're of such a heavenly mind. You're of no earthly good. I would love to meet somebody like that. I want them to pray for me. Let's, let's talk about how big heaven is, all right? How big is heaven? Stop and think about it. 1,500 miles, length, width, and height. City's walls are 216 feet thick, but the walls, the walls that go around that city, 1,500 miles long, by 1,500 miles wide, by 1,500 miles high. That's 2.25 million square miles. Now, Colorado, 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 we like Colorado, right? Colorado? It's less than 1 20th of the size of the New Jerusalem. Tiny. It's about two-thirds. This whole heaven I'm talking about right now is about two-thirds the size of the United States of America. Yet some scholars point to Jesus' statement when he said, in my Father's house are many mansions. How many remember Jesus saying that? Well, many mansions. That, that probably means that there are levels or stories in the city. Who knows? That's not explained or described, but if there are levels in the city and each is 1,000 feet high, that means there would be 7,920 levels in the city or 17 billion square miles in the city. Oh, that's many mansions. And if the city is divided into blocks, there would be at least 625 million blocks. And since each city is as high as it is wide, since the city is as high as it is wide and long, there are 937 billion blocks and 7.5 million streets. Room for 10 million houses, which is able to hold 12,500 people for a total of 125 billion people. If you take it from level to level, add them all up, how many will fit into heaven? This is a guess, but the Bible does give us some length and some dimensions, widths and heights. 125 billion people. Wow. I wonder if I'm going to get to heaven, I'm going to be like, whoa. Dude, you made it. Wow. 125 billion. We all have room. We all have a lot of elbow room. Brothers and sisters, let me just let me just get, get ready to bring this in and tell you that I am trying to describe, but from my heart the best I can, a better country. A coming city in the shape of a huge box. <laughs> A big box that can hold all of your dreams. It can hold all of your families. It can hold your whole future. It can hold every hope you have. It can hold the pain and the suffering and the tears of today. It'll hold it. It's got it all. Like Abraham, I want to look for that city. Like John, I want to see it. Come on. Does anybody hear what I just said? Abraham was looking for it. John saw it. How is it possible that we can join those who see it by joining those who look? How can we join those who look? By having a life of faith. A life that says, I am by faith declaring that I am not at home in this earth. 
that I'm not at home on this planet. I am persuaded. Everybody say, I am persuaded. I am embracing and I am confessing that this world is a beautiful place. Yeah, I know, I know. We love the maroon bells. Absolutely. How many of you don't? How many of you hate the maroon bells? No, everybody loves the maroon bells. How many of you love the, the rivers and the streams and the lakes of Colorado? All the beauties of the United States of America and this world. But folks, there's nothing that can compare to the heaven that God has waiting for you and for me. A city of light and he wants you to go and he wants me to go. He wants us to do more than just look. He wants us to see it. People who live this way, people who live this way make it plain that they're, what they're, that they're looking for their true home. True home. True home. Would you, just close, would you just close your eyes and fold your hands right now and say, God, I need a true home. Lord, let me, let me remember where my true home is. Lord, my true home is not, is not northern hemisphere, southern hemisphere. Lord, my true home is not this blue planet, God. This, 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 my true home, Lord, help me, God, to lift my eyes. Help me, Lord Jesus, to elevate my vision. Lord God, I want to be like Abraham. I want to be like all those in the Old Testament, dying in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off. Lord, you're able to let somebody here today see the, un- the invisible. So this whole thing requires a shifting of a lifestyle into a faith that is indestructible. A faith that says, I know that there is more than today's pain, today's bills, and today's conflict. There is more. Folks, I don't know why it feels like I'm hitting a brick wall because I'm preaching to Americans who don't really have an excitement about heaven. Folks, we've got a heaven to look forward to and a hell to shun. I think it's time for us to say, God... Get me fired up and get me hungry. Lord, get me ready and get me longing. I want to have a longing for heaven. Heaven has got to be the longing of my life. Lord, I've got to have a lifestyle and a death style of faith. Lord God, that faith is going to take me either to heaven or take me to my grave. Woo, hallelujah. Praise God for those who've gone before who are still looking when they die. Still looking. They refuse to let this earth issues and the earth's pain and suffering distract them. The earth's conflict and confusion. I mean, I mean, folks, it seems like lately everybody's talking about America and the United States and all its problems. You know, I mean, there's a lot of problems. I can't think of a better thing to do than for us on July 4th to say, God, let's make sure my true patriotism is in a place that's permanent. <laughs> God, put my patriotism in heaven. This is what faith is. To see what our eyes can't see. To grasp what is just beyond our reach. Like John Adams looking into the future and saying, celebrations on this same day. Well, what about us saying today, we're going to live a life day by day. And we're going to say, God, we know that this is not all there is. There is something that's out there. Lord God, we're having faith in you right now that you are going to take care. And can I promise you that if you just start trusting God for the invisible, that's when he'll show up for the visible. Hallelujah. One theologian said, God destines for us an end beyond the grasp of reason. John was on Patmos, but he was caught away in the spirit. And he saw the coming city. John saw what we can now only see in faith. Things that are presently unseen on earth, but they're witnessed in heaven. 
John saw innumerable companies of angels worshiping the Lord. Woo! How many of you want to, how many of you want to join that sight? Innumerable companies of angels worshiping the Lord. John saw a throne and the one seated on the throne. It wasn't three seated on the throne. It wasn't two. It wasn't a multiplicity of gods. It was one seated on the throne. Oh, I want to see Jesus face to face. He saw a throne and one seated on that throne. He saw a river of life. That river that flowed from under that throne. That river flowed down a large street that came straight from the throne of God as it crisscrossed the city. Revelation 22, the last chapter of your Bible, says, I, and he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the middle of its street, on either side of the river, was the tree of life, which bore 12 fruits, each tree yielding its fruit every month. The leaves of the trees tree were for the healing of the nations and there shall be no more curse but the throne of God and of the lamb shall be in it and what are we going to be doing read it with me and his servants shall serve him you're not going to be playing a harp floating on a cloud there's going to be service for the great God of the universe the great king of heaven Woo. Think about it. The curse lifted. The water of life is now available. You recall in Eden, remember in Eden, the angels had to keep Adam and Eve out of the garden. They had to push them out and keep them out after they fell so they couldn't come back and eat from the tree of life and, and live forever, right? Remember that? Now we're talking about in heaven, a tree that is life-giving. Its leaves are for the healing of nations. And we all have access to that wonderful. Notice, too, the mention of months. Everybody notice that it says months in there? One fruit for each of the 12 months? I believe there are going to be seasons in the holy city. Not monotony, but variety. God knows what we need. He saw that God himself wiped away the tears. This is what John saw. John saw that only the righteous and the redeemed were welcomed into that city. And John saw that no sorrow, no curse, no sin, no pain, and no darkness were permitted in this city. Folks, I'm going to go there. I want to be a heaven citizen. Today I want to be a heaven citizen. John saw the coming city filled with the glory of God. There was no temple. Woo. Did you hear what he said? There's no temple. There's not a need for a church. Where am I going to go to church in heaven? No temple because God is the light of the city. <laughs> we love coming to church because this is a place where we come and experience something supernatural, unspoken, invisible. It's the light of the glorious gospel. Imagine in heaven, friends. Now, more than all of this, folks, there are three things in heaven that God knows we need to see. I believe we need to understand. We need to have a vision for. And that is, number one, there are rewards in heaven. Lay up your treasures in heaven. There's a coming day of reward. Jesus said, be glad for your reward is great in heaven. And number two, there is rest in heaven. Rest. Everybody say rest from our labors. Not rest in the sense of stillness or serenity or laziness. No, not that kind of rest. But in the sense of Sabbath, resting from the effects of sin. But alive to worship the one God who has cleansed us and given us life. And then finally, there is service. 
something so meaningful about that when it says his servants shall serve him. Read it with me. His servants shall serve him. Get ready. If you want to go to heaven, you're, you're going to be a servant. We'll have wonderful, meaningful service, I believe, in the, Lord, in the Lord's presence all of our eternity. But here's the wonder of the coming city, brothers and sisters. Jesus said in Luke 12 that we should be awake when the master returns from the wedding feast because the master will serve the servants who are waiting to serve him. My. And then John wraps it up by saying, they shall see his face. In Exodus, those who saw God's face died. Remember that? Boom, hit the deck. Why? Because he's holy and flesh is unholy. Yet in that coming city, we shall behold him. In that city, we will never see night. The day will be permanent and we will see him face to face and we'll be engulfed in God's presence. So this right here, I want to bring it down to the most remarkable thing about the coming city. Musicians can join. I, I, I don't know if y'all are ready for this because this has gone lengthy here today, but I want y'all to stay with me. The most remarkable thing, the thing that I want us to walk out of here with heavy on our hearts and understanding clearly this most remarkable thing of all, not the walls of diamond, not the streets of pure gold and not the crystal sea, the tree of life and the river of life. Those things are remarkable. But you know what's more remarkable than any of that? Are you listening? Here it is. You and I are permitted to enter into that city. Hallelujah. We get to go. It's our eternal reward and rest. But you can't go unless you believe with all of your heart. And you believe to the point of obedience in the glorious gospel. And when you have obeyed the gospel of Jesus Christ and you've forsaken everything, forsaken your own life and, and loving not the flesh but loving Almighty God and saying yes to Him and no to all other things. That is what I call readiness. And those who are Holy Ghost filled are the only ones who will be able to make it into that city. Those who have the Spirit of God belong to Him and those who do not have the Spirit are the alternative. I want us to really think about this. I want us to really let this settle into our hearts and minds here for a moment. A few years ago, James Cameron made an incredible splash with his ambitious project called Avatar. It cost a fortune to make that film. $300 million. Think of it. I want you all to catch this. It cost $300 million, but it made almost $3 billion. Pretty good investment. But in that movie set in the future, human beings are exploring and excavating on a faraway planet called Pandora. Woo, so beautiful was this world. 
so bedazzling it was on the screen for watchers that they began to call it a post-Pandora effect that happened to moviegoers. People woke up the next day to find their world so depressing. There's a thread on a popular website that said, quote, ways to cope with the depression of the dream of Pandora being intangible. One person wrote these words, when I woke up this morning after watching Avatar for the first time yesterday, the world seemed gray. It was like my whole life, everything I've done, everything I've worked for lost its meaning. Someone else said, the day after I saw Avatar, I was completely depressed. I looked at my hands and thought, what I wouldn't give. But brothers and sisters, those who have seen the coming city that I'm preaching about today, we don't get depressed. John the Revelator, he didn't get depressed. It appears that he eventually left Patmos after all of those visions and he pastored victoriously in Ephesus for a time following. The Apostle Paul caught a glimpse of heaven and this glimpse of glory carried him through so much suffering and torture and pain and he reached into that known world with the gospel because he had seen the unknown. So folks, let's focus not on fiction. How about we decide today we're not going to focus on fiction because focusing on fiction leaves you passionless and without hope. But let's focus on a glorious coming reality which causes us to believe the unbelievable and say, God, we don't know it because we haven't literally been there and touched it and tasted it and seen it with our own eyes. But Lord God, if we can look at a movie, we can look at a film, we can read a book and we can listen to science and it makes us think about things that are invisible. How much more can we come to church and say, God, there's a heaven out there and I'm going to be a citizen of heaven. God, I'm going to believe the unbelievable. Lord God, I'm going to believe the unbelievable in Jesus' name.